0: Welcome to the Healthy Family Project by Produce for Kids, covering the hot topics in the world of health, food, and family with a dose of fun. Today, we are talking to Liz Weiss, cookbook author, blogger, dietitian, and host of the Liz's Healthy Table podcast. Liz has two grown up boys, teaches cooking classes to kids, and has a lot of experience helping parents get healthy and happy meals onto the family table. As a registered dietitian, Liz has been passionate about healthy eating and healthy food and family nutrition for over 20 years and has made helping families discover the joy of wholesome and delicious food her mission. Liz's podcast covers everything from fermented foods and why your family should eat them. I have not listened to that episode, but uh, I am sure I'll be a fan, and everything else like the health benefits of eating more beans. Liz posts an episode, a new episode every two weeks, and invites on expert guests to join her on the show. I love when the universe knows exactly who to bring into my world next, and I guess by universe I actually mean our um, official dietitian over here at Produce for Kids, Sally Kuzemchek. Who was our guest on episodes 37? Um, that one was about balancing the holiday sugar rush. And then episode 34, Lunchbox Packing Mistakes to Avoid. So if you're starting to hit um, a lunchbox slump, maybe go back and listen to that one for some inspiration. So Sally introduced me to Liz and now we are able to share Liz's expertise with all of you today welcome to the show Liz we're so excited to have you on and to get some tips from you on how to conquer these you know mealtime struggles that we all face and get over the hurdles Um, just a lot of the things that come along with scheduling in that mealtime and sitting down with the family Um, but before we jump in can you tell our listeners a little bit about
1: yourself and your background Sure. well, thanks for having me. Um, let's see. so I'm a dietitian. I live in Lexington, Massachusetts. I'm looking out my window, a lot of snow on the ground. And uh, I have two boys. So Simon is at the University of Vermont. And then my older son, Josh, lives in New York City, works in finance. That's about all I can tell you. It's kind of out of my my realm of specialty. And um, so I'm going to date myself here. I became a dietitian in 1982. I have a master's in nutrition communications. I went to culinary school, so I have a degree in the culinary arts. And my background's a little bit different because I started actually working as a journalist at CNN back in 1987. I was covering food and nutrition for the network. So I combined journalism and nutrition. It was a really cool job, and I left there and I moved back to Boston and had various other stints like I worked for PBS for a while, just did a bunch of different things and, you know, had kids, raised the kids, Wrote a few cookbooks and I ended up, um, you know, with the whole web, worldwide web, uh, kind of the explosion of the web. I uh, launched a brand called Meal Makeover Moms um, about 10, 15 years ago. Well, about 15 years ago, did Meal Makeover Moms for many years, had a podcast called Cooking with the Moms. And then three years ago, I, uh, I rebranded that to Liz's Healthy Table. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So I have a blog. And like you, I have a podcast. And my goal is just to help families eat a healthier diet. So lots of recipes, lots of mealtime tips. You know, I've kind of been there, done that with my boys. And I love to share, you know, my experiences with uh, with other parents.
0: Well, wonderful! It sounds like you know, with the, being a dietitian and the culinary background, and of course, mom. You know, that's the, mm, <laughs> that's, the trifecta. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You have you have all of that. The pioneer of of um, kind of figuring it all out. So, you, I'm sure you can you can help us all here today. So, let's start with the basics, which uh, I'm going to say just time period. We're mm. all strapped for time between work and getting the kids to and from. Um, those after school activities, homework, projects, I can say myself that this week has been, (laughs) for my two girls and myself, I don't, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it was a short week, but it was a week. Let me tell you, I would, you know, get up at seven and get everything going and not get back to the house till, you know, 930 at night after activities and things like that. So I know a lot of fellow parents, they really want to sit down and have that perfect family dinner around the table, um, you know, every night, like you see in some of the the TV shows. And, And I know it's not always an option. So what do you feel like the solution is here? Do we just make the time
1: somehow, I guess,
0: or do we accept that mealtime can be a little different every day?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a good question. It's a big challenge for sure. So I, I guess I would start out by saying that it's really important to set goals. And so if you know, if you're saying to yourself, gee, we, we really should eat meals together more often, then I would say, you know, pick the goal of three times a week, you know, all the research shows that three times a week or more, it's like the sweet spot. And by that, I mean, all the benefits of those shared family meals really start to shine through. And so, you know, benefits include things like eating more fruits and veggies. So kids who eat meals with their families eat more fruits and vegetables, they eat less junk food. Uh, Research shows that they have less disordered eating, less substance abuse. This is interesting, better vocabulary, probably because there's lots of conversations right. you know yes. going on kind of cool it also it establishes like a lifetime of fond memories good memories hopefully and so set those goals make it a priority and if you could get you know to three times a week that's awesome if you could get to four w- even better just kind of keep building on it and then also be flexible we put so much pressure on ourselves we think you have to you know you talked about that perfect meal you see on TV mm-hmm. <laughs> the mom the dad the two kids 2.5 kids whatever right it could be one adult with one kid. It can be, you know, any mishmash, you know, it could be a grandparent or a caregiver with that child. It's the adult, right? Having the adult there to role model, to have that conversation. So be flexible in kind of the format of that meal. And then also it can be breakfast, it can be brunch, it can be a picnic. So don't put all that pressure on yourself and instead just kind of go with the flow a little bit, but make it a priority.
0: Right. And I think, I think that's the key is to not, not put that pressure on yourself. Because I know this week, we, let me think, I think we sat down on Monday together. And that has been it. That's the only day Mm -hmm. that we were able to sit down for dinner together. And um, I'm feeling a little bad about it. But I, I think it's okay. And I think that you hit the nail on the head saying that it doesn't have to be dinner either because, you know, you can do breakfast or brunch or whenever whenever makes the most sense for your family. Um, I have to say, I just purchased, We talk, you talked about vocabulary, I just purchased these napkins. I, I forget the brand. I think maybe it's like Mardi Gras or something like that. Um, but they have, you know, if you could start, like start a new trend tomorrow, what would it be? Or you just want a million dollars or you have three Yay. wishes, you know. And so I have found that because I have a an eighth grader and and sometimes talking about our day isn't the the happiest thing maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> at this I point. I understand. <laughs> or something, we don't have a lot to say. Um, you know, I felt like, oh, these napkins – kind of where I want to talk about our day but this is a good way to get everyone in a in a mood where we're engaging with each other and then we can kind of move into you know talking about our day but talking about these fun you know hmm. topics that are kind of not around you know how was work how was algebra
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> um, that's an awful yeah. <laughs> conversation but it, but it's like those conversation <laughs> starters right and you know I talk a lot about that you you whether it's a conversation starter on a napkin, or you pick something out of a, you know, you have little questions you might fold up and put in a big jar, everybody grabs a question out, it gets the conversation going around the table. And this is interesting, you know, there there is research to show that when it's a more positive mealtime experience for everyone, instead of you didn't do your homework, you know, I'm mad at you, you know, you know, when you keep it positive, research shows that kids end up consuming more fruits and vegetables, you know, they eat, healthier, probably because everybody wants to be at the table and you're hanging around longer and it's not a struggle. So keeping it, it's not just about coming together around the table. It's really about keeping it positive and fun. And I can give you tips on that, but certainly, you know, fun and positive around the table. And I love the idea of those napkins. I haven't heard of that. So that's really cool.
0: Yeah. You'll have to keep an eye out for them. They're, they're, they're really, Cute and fun, fun topics to talk yeah, about. Even yeah. for us parents, you know, I'm like, hmm, what trend would I start tomorrow? Yes, uh, what
1: what would I do with that million dollars? Right, exactly. Do you think about that. I, I have lots of thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, so,
0: so time and time again on this podcast, especially, I talk to parents, um, you know, or the guests who are on here. I talk about my selective eater. I don't like to call mm. picky. Um, my selective eater. Um, And again, I guess we're here talking a lot about how we're starved for time. Um, And so we're starved for time. We have a picky eater. We want to sit down and have a meal. Um, You know, and I know it's important not to give up and to work with these selective eaters and not to force things. But as a parent, it can definitely be a little defeating. So what are some of your tried and true strategies, I guess, around having that selective eater and still, uh, you know, having a... I guess, quality meal time with your family without focusing in on on some of those struggles,
1: right. right. Well, let me uh, hopefully I'll give you some food for thought here. and you know, some ideas that are a little bit different. So one thing that I have found to be really successful, not just with myself but other people have shared, is to serve your meals family style versus pre-plating. and oh, yeah. And the beauty of that is that kids love control, you know, Uh, You know, with my kids, it was always a struggle like just to put their socks on. So I'd say, do you want to wear a red sock or a white sock or one of each? You know, they love that little bit of choice. And so if you serve family style, everybody can have fun serving themselves. It opens the door for role modeling. So big brother might grab some broccoli and little sister is going to do the same. And so the the pre-plating lets everybody pick and choose what they want to eat takes the battle out of it. And then you can also control your satiety and you know your fullness. You could say to yourself, I'm full, I don't want more. You know, a lot of times parents are like push, push, push. You got to eat more vegetables. Well, maybe your child just isn't hungry today. So I love that family style versus the pre-plating. Um, the other thing I love, because I'm all about the fun at mealtime, is to make meals interactive. And by that, I mean you might sit down and instead of having that traditional meat and potatoes meal, you're going to serve a snacking or a grazing board. They're very trendy now on Instagram. Oh, yeah. You're so you're you, talking my language now. <laughs> I love a, I love a grazing board. I actually, this summer, made us a, a big snack board. And Simon, who's my 21-year-old, he sort of walks in. He'd been working all day, starts snacking. He literally ate, like, everything on the snack board this is what happens when they grow up they eat everything (laughs) but a snack or grazing board for dinner is super fun or you might have like a build your own burger night where you go and you get like some you know the new veggie burgers that are so popular they're either soy based or bean based and put out all the different um toppings and let everybody build their own burger maybe you're not doing buns but you're wrapping them in lettuce leaves whatever it is um you know, oh, you know what else you could do? You could serve food, I was saying family style, but you could serve it restaurant style. So one day a week, each child has a a chance to serve the meal and take your order. And again, it just makes it a little bit more playful and interactive and, and just so much fun. And then the other thing I think is really important, kids can be selective or picky because an older sibling is, and they're just following along. Mm-hmm. And so I used to always say to my kids, don't yuck my yum. You know, if I think oh, something's I yummy, that. Yep. don't yuck my yum. You could, you could take that for me. Or as I would say to Josh, if you diss, you're dismissed. Oh, I would say- That's another s- good one. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. But th- that's the one that is like, that's about setting that rule. Like if you diss the meal that I have spent all day making, you know, I had to shop and plan and prep, then you're going to have to leave the table because if you diss something, then Simon's not going to eat it because he looks up to you. And so if you diss, you're dismissed and all you have to do is dismiss them one time and it will not happen again. I promise. Um, it might feel negative, but I think it's a rule that you can establish, enforce and they're going to get it, you know? And so be respectful and, and that I think will help. And the other thing is to get rid of distractions and distractions can really take away from the focus on that family meal. And if you do have a selective eater or a picky eater, those distractions can create sort of chaos at the table and chaos at the table is, is never good for anyone. And by distractions, I mean, turn the TV off, turn off the cell phones, stop the sibling rivalry, get everybody calm, you know, and then when it's calm, you can sort of focus on trying new foods and and, you know, shake things up too. We tend to think like sweet potatoes, you must eat sweet potatoes this way. Well, maybe your child doesn't want mashed sweet potatoes. Maybe they want roasted sweet potatoes or maybe they want a whole roasted sweet potato with a bunch of toppers that they can add. Just like you would do like a a stuffed baked potato, you can do a stuffed sweet potato. Maybe they like wedges or fries. So change up the way you present that one vegetable and before you know it, they might like it a certain way and then you feel excited like, yay, they're finally eating sweet potatoes. And, t- you know, kids are like us. They get bored after a while. Mm-hmm. You know, your kids might be on a food jag eating tons of, say, steamed sweet potato and then they don't want it anymore. So try it a different way. They're not picky. They're just bored. You know, they're no different from us, right? We get bored too.
0: Right, exactly. And – um, Sally, who's our registered dietitian at Produce for Kids, and I know a good friend of yours over there, um, she had a great tip. And this kind of leads me into my my next question for you. But she said um, having when you're meal planning for the week, what you're going to what you're going to be putting on the table, have each of the kids take a day. Um, Mm, I think it was her that said that and have them look. Okay, so on Tuesday's your day. What what do you want? On Tuesday, you know, and maybe if you have the time, you even involve them in the creation of that, you know, what Mm -hmm. they have selected, but then they can kind of each own, you know, like, oh, today's my day, I get to have what I requested or what I wanted, uh, you know, for my dinner.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, family meals are really a ritual. And so you want to include kids in that ritual. It's not your ritual. It's the family ritual. And 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 so, like Sally says, have them help with the meal planning, but also have them help with the meal prep. Have them help with clearing the table. You know, there's many yes. things they could do. Take them to the grocery store. So there's ways to involve them. And it doesn't have to be every facet every day, but just get them involved so it becomes this habit. And, you know, when it comes to meal planning, I think one of the easiest ways to kind of wrap your head around it, because I was not born with the organizing gene. I tend to fly by the seat of my pants. It's how I roll. And I live in a state of controlled chaos, but that's me, right? (laughs) However, some people need to plan. So I think one of the easiest ways to do it is to think of each night of the week as a different theme. So it might be Meatless Monday. It could be Taco Tuesday, and believe me, there's many ways to make a taco and many different, could be beef and bean filling, it could be a shrimp filling, it could be veggie, whatever it is. You might have No Waste Wednesday, where you just take all the little bits and bobs and leftovers that are in the fridge and turn that into a meal. It might be Pasta Thursday or Freebie Friday, where maybe you do dinner and a movie or something super, you know, different and out of the box. But whatever it is, those themes will help you plan those meals and then do what I do. And I love to batch cook, you know, so like on my blog Mm -hmm. right now I have an instant pot recipe. It's a beef bourguignon. It's like a fancy version of a beef stew and it makes a lot. And so we have it, but then I will freeze it. And I always know I can go down to the freezer and grab that beef bourguignon a month later and I have this beautiful meal. So always be kind of thinking like that. And then, um, You know, use different tools. Like I have a seven-day meal planner, a free printable on my website, and I have a supermarket shopping list on my website. Aisle by aisle, people can download. These are little tools that kind of just help you, you know, sit down on a Saturday and plot it out before you hit the supermarket Sunday morning or whenever you go. But just getting in, again, that habit of making a plan, hitting up the supermarket, getting the kids involved. And then before you know it, you know, mealtime gets a little bit easier
0: right and and i as i have talked to people just really even in my neighborhood you know different people whether wherever i might be and if i talk about meal planning it it's it's like scary or are like oh i don't have the time to do that who has the time to plan out all your meals and i keep saying well if i did not do it my week would be way more stressful and, and I enjoy, I enjoy meal planning, so maybe mm-hmm. I'm not the right person. I, I like knowing that I'm gonna have something you know, planned out for every day. I'm kind of on track. I'm not going to be rushed because when I'm rushed, we don't make the best decisions on what we pick up to eat or whatever we order. So um, I love meal planning and the girls get involved. My girls get involved. I, um, when we get home from the grocery store on Sunday, we're such creatures of habit. We do groceries on Sundays. And when we get home, I, before I even, put my produce away if there's things that can be chopped i leave them on the counter and we get to work before Mm, as long as we don't have somewhere to be or go at that point usually it's a sunday late afternoon we'll just all stand there the three of us and and chop what we need to chop and put it in containers so that's all ready to go because i feel like once i put it in the fridge (laughs) the chances "Hmm, of right the chances of taking it back out and chopping are much much smaller In today's Healthy Bite, we're snacking on Autumn Glory apples, and Grace brought slices over for us to enjoy.
2: Yep, I'm here. I brought slices. Um, I am crazy about the hints of cinnamon and caramel in these apples. They're so perfect for sweet and savoring pairings, so I'm really excited to snack on these. Alrighty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm spraying
0: apple juice. Well, yeah, I can... I can definitely taste the cinnamon and caramel, definitely setting this apple apart for sure.
2: Yeah, and they're sweet but not too sweet. It's just like a very nice flavor combination. I love them. And in case our listeners haven't caught up on our blog lately, um, we actually put together some quesadilla combos in your kitchen a few uh, weeks back that I wanted to bring up.
0: Yes, so we had a, a really fun afternoon with my daughters, Mia and Charlie And they both love making quesadillas, so we thought we'd have some fun with our Autumn Glory apples and come up with a few different uh, flavor combinations.
2: Yes, it was so fun to see them get creative. Um, We ended up with six different combinations, all made with Autumn Glory apples. And I have to say, my personal favorite was the honey, goat cheese, and Autumn Glory slices. It was delicious. I I love goat cheese everything, so combined with the honey and apple, is really good. Um, And... In case you guys didn't know, Mia summed it all up in a blog post and video, which we will link to up to in the show notes. So you guys definitely have to check it out.
0: Yes, I definitely was not mad about sampling all of the different quesadilla combinations. Uh, that was fun. And the girls were in the kitchen. They made it. So we got to sample. Um, we added a little extra fun. Um, they There's these markers that are safe for writing on food. And so the quesadilla really is the perfect canvas for that.
2: Yep. Mia was able to trace a really cool Harry Potter map. I'm a huge fan, so I was nerding out over that. <laughs> she did some doodling and it was just really cool. It's just an extra dose of fun if you're packing these in the lunchbox or looking to get your you know, kiddos in the kitchen and get them excited to try something new and get a little creative.
0: For sure. So be sure, like Grace said, we'll be posting those links in the show notes and we'll include a few different recipes to try, the video, um, and all of the links around our friends at Autumn Glory Apples. And then be sure to keep an eye out for Autumn Glory Apples in your local grocery store.
1: Right. You want to kind of get that a little jump start on the week. And, And I think too, like when you go grocery shopping, Do it at a time of day when it's not going to be busy. Like there's nothing worse than getting to the supermarket and there's just like a mob scene. It's just, it's a, it's a barrier. So if you force yourself, like I always, when the boys were at home, always Sunday morning, get up, boom, first thing, hit up the supermarket and then you're done and it's quiet. And I love that. So whatever those obstacles are, you got to kind of take them on and say, all right, I'm going when it's quiet, and um, you know, in the summer it's easier, right? You can hit up farmers' markets, but this time of year we tend to be in the supermarket, bundled right. up, running through. But have your list and be prepared,
0: right? And the girl, my girls are nine and 13, and they're at great ages to help out in the grocery mm. store, mm-hmm. and so, and and again, we usually on that grocery run there's not much we don't divert from our weekly list our weekly staples so they know what those weekly staples are and they're you know I'll go run and grab this I'll go to the deli you know they so they handle those things and that then I handle the kind of off the cuff new recipe ingredients that I need to find that you know they probably are like I don't know you know, where this hoisin sauce is. Right, right. (laughs) What is bok choy?
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, No, I mean, I think you're so lucky to have your your helpers, right? You've got two personal assistants. Fabulous. Your personal assistants. Love it. I know.
0: I love it. So Mm. I'm really excited to check out your monthly blog series on reducing our carbon footprint in the kitchen. I know this is Mm. a a hot topic. We're all trying to be a little more mindful And on top of how our decisions are impacting our planet on a personal level, reducing food waste, you know, saves us money, which I love. Um, So it's a win overall. Can you share some of your top tips for being more
1: green when it comes to our kitchen habits? Sure, sure. Well, I will just start out by saying, you know, as a dietitian, I've always focused my career on helping people eat a healthier diet. And this helping the planet was never really part of the conversation. So it's a hot topic right now. And as dietitians, we're all about nurturing people, but also nurturing the planet. The two must be connected. So I want everyone to get into that mindset of how I shop, how I cook, how I eat. How does that impact the health of my family? but the health of the planet. And so I've started this new monthly series and it's called Reduce Your Kitchen Carbon Footprint because I want everybody to be or feel empowered to change their habits in the kitchen in order to make an impact, positive impact on climate change, you know, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. And we can all vote safer politicians who support sound environmental policies. You know, that's like the big macro stuff we can do to get involved in our communities. But at home, what can we do? And I believe it all adds up, right? No no idea is a bad idea. So for January, my action for January is to compost. Now, I will preface this, Amanda, by saying that I – I did try to compost many years ago and I had a bin in the backyard and I was hardcore into it, right? Every little mm-hmm. food scrap I didn't eat an eggshell coffee grounds, I'd run outside and chuck it in the compost bin. And it sat there and it sat there and nothing happened. And I felt like a total failure. And eventually my husband was like, all right, this has got to stop. Like you got mice living out there. Right. Enough is enough. So what I've done is I found, cause our community doesn't Offer it like some DPW's Department of Public Works will provide composting as a service. Ours I don't does. Know about you? Yes. You're so, ours,
0: so lucky. Ours does. And and I feel kind of kind of bad. Um, my parents are composters, and they. I think maybe I was traumatized by the. The smell. <laughs>
1: so. Oh, really? There was a smell. See, we, it shouldn't smell like if you haven't been outside. It yeah,
0: I don't smell. know that it was there. The, I think the they ind- were composting at the very beginning of when oh, this craze yes. started many years ago, and it probably was not the right way.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, another maybe perhaps composting fail. But yeah. I, I was I was a big failure, and I started noticing a few months ago in my neighborhood everybody rolling these little green bins. To the you know end of the driveway every Thursday. I'm like, what what is this? Well, it turns out there's a service and you could subscribe to it. And and a lot of communities have this now. It is ninety nine dollars a year. I will say, but I think it's really worth it because I collect all my little scraps in these little bio bags. They look like plastic bags, but they're mm-hmm. like biodegradable. And if I'm going to be out of town, I just pop them in the freezer. Doesn't matter any all the bits that I'm collecting. Put it in the freezer. Like I've been, I was traveling last week. I missed the Thursday pickup, but. Yesterday was Thursday, and I filled up the bin with everything from the freezer, and I put it outside. And so I'm collecting these things as the week goes on and putting it outside in this lined bin. And again, it's lined with one of those little bio bags or bigger bio bag. And then off it goes. And this company, once a year, will deliver a big bag of compost to your door that you can then put into your garden to nourish your soil. Oh, wow. So instead of – yeah. Now, instead of all those bits of food – going to waste and ending up in a landfill, and I will say 40% of the food in this country that's grown is wasted at mm-hmm. some point, point in the supply chain, transport, you know, at the farm or in transit or at the supermarket or in your home. But all that wasted food from your home kitchen, if it ends up in a landfill, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to think, oh, it's going to biodegrade. No big deal. But it is a big deal because when that food goes into a landfill, it gets covered up. And when it gets covered up, it's no longer exposed to oxygen. So little bacteria come in and start to break down the food, but these are methane producing bacteria, meaning they produce methane, which is a greenhouse gas. Right. So w- that's not a good thing. So what we wanna do is we wanna compost it instead so it's aerated and all the bacteria start munching on it, but it doesn't produce methane because it's oxygenated, right? It's exposed to air. Right. And so you end up with this beautiful organic matter that can then go back in and nourish your soil so that you can grow flowers and produce or healthier grasses or whatever it might be. So we don't want that food that we're wasting or those scraps to end up in a landfill or even paper towel rolls, you know, like the the, the rolls, that's organic material anything from the household. So anyway, so that's that's the January action. I'm composting. I would love everybody else to compost whether they do it themselves or their community picks it up or they hire a service. Let's get all that food out of landfills and back into the soil. That's one thing. And then I'm going to be talking a lot about food waste through the year. I'm going to be talking about how to reduce your use of plastics, how to reduce your use of water. Like when my husband's doing dishes and the water's running uh-huh. and then he walks away, he walks away. I'm like, uh-huh. why is this water running? Like, what, what's happening here? All those little things. It's yes. wasteful. Or um, reusable bags. You know, when you go to the grocery store, really becoming more mindful. of. So it's just cutting back on all the things you use and everything we use requires energy, right? You know, when, when we think about a food that's sustainable or a lifestyle that's sustainable, we use this term all the time, right? What it really means is that that food is, well, it's four things. That food is nutritious. That food is sourced environmentally. So it came from, you know, it got to me through a, good practices. Um, it's, it's affordable, and the fourth pillar is that it's good for society. And so that means the farmers were treated well. The workers were treated well. You know, that farm is really part of my community. So the four things, nutrition, affordability, um, the environment, and then society. So we have to start thinking a little differently about our food. And we can all make a big impact. You know, I think all of us collectively. Somebody once said... Oh, this whole thing with plastic straws, nobody, you know, all the restaurants, nobody has plastic straws anymore. It's not going to make a difference. I'm like, actually, <laughs> if you give up plastic straws, it might not make a difference. But if a billion people give up plastic straws, right. it's going to make a difference. So I think we have power in numbers, you know, as parents, grandparents, you know, we we have power in numbers by simply changing our habits in the kitchen.
0: And I I do think that, you know, like what you're saying, oh, if, if- I just make this change, what's that going to do, you know, but I do, like you said, if everybody, even if it's just something small to start, you know, it, it all makes an impact, no matter how small your effort might seem. I think in the long run, you know, and you said about the water, my, my teenager, (laughs) she like, she, you know, it's like, okay you need to take a shower uh, okay when she's in the shower it's like i can't get you out of the shower so this morning um she was she needed to study and she said i'm gonna hop in the shower for for 10 minutes and i said okay but it you need to set a timer it has to be 10 minutes and then she said i know i know your water bill and i thought <laughs> well that's <laughs> hilarious i said that is a good point it i do appreciate you thinking about my water bill but also think about the water you know that it's going down the drain as you stand in there for however long you choose to be in there so she said oh yeah i guess i guess that does make an impact too mm-hmm.
1: so but yeah oh and you know one more thing and this is something i'm going to talk about throughout the year is this concept of biodiversity and you know if you think about a farm if we're only planting one crop all the time That's not good for the soil, and it also doesn't create like a resilient farm because what if like a drought came through or you know something happened where that crop couldn't survive? You always want to have a variety of crops, a variety of plants, like in your garden. Certain plants actually will kind of pull more carbon out of the atmosphere than others, right? They Mm -hmm. they breathe carbon. So when it comes to fruits and veggies, because I know that's that's your true love, right? So when it comes to fruits and veggies, we want to be thinking about eating more of a variety because that variety is actually good for the planet. You know, the more variety, the better. We don't just want apple orchards or we don't want just fields of carrots. So the more variety, the better.
0: That's a good point. And we'll be, if you're listening right now, we'll be linking up to, to everything that we've talked about in the show notes. So you can easily go and follow along um, and find out how to reduce your carbon footprint this year. Um, something we did on Monday for Martin Luther King Day. we always try to participate in a day of service um, mm. as, since we're on the topic of food waste. Um, there's an organization their their Society of St Andrew, and they're national, but we work with their um, Florida um, division, I guess if you will. But mm-hmm. what they do out, they do is go out and when they have a call from a farmer, Um, who, you know, their crops have been harvested or they have the ugly, they just have the ugly Hmm. produce left. Um, They go out, Society of St. Andrew goes out and gleans the fields. So they um, pull in volunteers to go out and basically harvest the uh, crops that would otherwise be plowed under. Um, So we were able to go on Monday and harvest cabbage. There was a group, there's probably about 12 of us from the neighborhood um, and some of my colleagues at Produce for Kids, and we went out and spent probably about two hours uh, cutting and harvesting cabbage from the field, and I think we did a thousand pounds. And then what they what they do after you harvest is they then take those crops to the local food banks. So you know we're talking about it all this, but you know I'm pretty passionate about the fact that there's a huge disconnect from these crops that aren't suitable for the grocery store because you know they have a blemish or they're not they just don't you know the shopper's not going to pay for for that but yet we have so many hungry people so I know yeah. so so that was awesome and so I'll link up to that too because I know they have opportunities for fam or anyone really to go out and volunteer and help them that's really they just need the hands to get out there Mm -hmm. and harvest whatever it might be and then they take care of the rest so it was really rewarding and i i my kids actually really enjoyed you know i mean who doesn't enjoy a couple hours just out in beautiful weather on a in the field and (laughs) right right. (laughs) it was just a beautiful beautiful day
1: so we'll definitely link up to that too Oh. I love that. And I, and I love that that experience and that story. And, and, you know, and it makes me think about cabbage because, you know, if, <laughs> if, if somebody walks into, say, a food pantry and they grab this cabbage, the missing link quite often there is they don't know what to do with it. Yes. Like a lot of people are like, what do I do with this giant cabbage? And I will say, and I should send you a link. I do have a recipe on my blog for roasted or grilled cabbage and i'm addicted to it and and cabbage when you kind of slice it in half and then kind of cut it into quarters so it's not so big and unwieldy You cut it into wedges right and then just drizzle with olive oil and salt and pepper maybe some chopped rosemary and just wrap it up in foil just chuck it in the oven or chuck it on the grill yeah and it's so good We'll it's definitely, so
0: we'll definitely link up to that recipe because that is so one of nourishing. those. That's what is one of those produce items that oftentimes you're kind of like, eh, do I do mm. with this?
1: <laughs> how much? How much can I put in a salad? This is like the biggest head of cabbage i've ever right. seen in my life how am i ever going to eat this? it's like a bowling ball how am i going to eat this whole thing so you have to be get creative you know And it's i love it chopped in a salad too or even sauteed or and i was just in budapest hungary and they have a yes. traditional recipe where they cook up egg noodles and or any kind of pasta noodles and then they add sauteed um cabbage and onion and it's so good Mm -hmm. it sounds weird but it's so good it's a hungarian dish and it's like a delicious combination maybe not the most colorful but really healthy and delicious
0: that sounds good um well i ask all of my guests the same question so before we close out here which i I, you're definitely gonna have to be back on the podcast because i feel like we could we could continue talking for (laughs) quite some time um but before we close out um I have been asking everybody, what do you think it means to be a healthy family? There's no right or wrong answer. It doesn't have to be food related. I just enjoy everyone sharing their
1: thoughts on this question. Well, since we have been talking about family meals, I will will tie it into it because I'm so passionate about family meal time. So for for me, I, I would say that a healthy family is a family that makes a habit out of gathering around the table and eating together. I just feel like, you know, it's good for the body and the soul and it just gives everybody this opportunity to sit down, take a breath from their busy days and connect. And it just creates awesome, long lasting memories. You know, you, you can think back to like the aroma of your mom's roasted chicken or right. maybe a silly word game like your napkin game. You know, it just it just lets everybody catch up and uh, just kind of savor that time together. So I I would just say a healthy family is a family who eats together as much as they can do, you know, as much as they can make possible.
0: Wonderful. Well, and then I guess, lastly, where can everyone find you? Because I'm sure after this episode, everyone's going to be looking to connect and learn more and, and follow along on this journey. So can you tell us where to find you?
1: Oh yeah. So I'm, my website is Liz's with an S Liz's healthy com And that's where they'll find my blog with recipes. I've got, um, I never even mentioned this. I have a coloring cookbook series called color cool. cook eat color cook eat It's a download and it's coloring pages and recipes and it's so playful and so fun. So for kids who might be like losing it when you're making dinner, just get them coloring, keep them busy make it food related. (laughs) Why not? Um, And then I've got my podcast, Liz's Healthy Table, and I have guests on and we tackle all sorts of issues, you know, from family mealtime to snacking to Cooking with less sugar, like you name it. So you and I are definitely in the in the same world, and uh, I think our shows really support one another. So I, I'm uh, I'm excited, you know, that we had a chance to chat today. So thank you. So yeah, Liz's Healthy Table, and then once you're on the website, you can connect through to all my social media because I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and the usual <laughs> cast of characters. All, all of the above. Well, thank, and we'll link up so
0: you know, no need to be taking notes. Um, We'll link up to everything in the show notes so you can click through and find Liz. And thank you so much, Liz. I know you've been traveling and so I truly appreciate you making the time to talk to us today and um, give us all of these wonderful tips and hopefully we'll have you back soon. What a great conversation today. I think I'm going to have to get back on the composting. Um, I'll let you guys know. I'll have to update you on how that, how that is going for me. But I do think that it's something um, that I can incorporate into my 2020 plan. Um, but if you don't currently have family meals in your day-to-day schedule, don't feel bad. Just try making some time for at least one a week and start small. It's hard, I know. Our busy schedules here with my family don't always allow for a family meal. Every day, that's for sure. But we do slide in a few a week, and it really does make all the difference. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, you can share it in the comments or share it in our Healthy Family Project Facebook group. Um, We are always interested in feedback from listeners. And then don't miss out on our seasonal recipes on ProduceForKids.com. I know it's the time of year that everyone's looking for those slow cooker meals and soups and chilies. Um, We have you covered and I'll link up to a few of those and those ideas in the show notes. If you like the Healthy Family Project, which I hope you do, um, please tell a friend and leave us a rating. It will only help our visibility so we can continue to create a healthier generation. If you want to tweet direct with me, I'm at Amanda M. Kiefer on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Produce for Kids on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.
2: Be sure to subscribe. Talk soon.